Welcome to the Capital Call Podcast, where we discuss capital, labor, and technology, the main drivers of the global economy. I'm your host, Fajara Kohli, co-founder of Golden Door, an investment firm based in Newark, New Jersey. We hope you enjoyed today's topic as we expand on the ideas of capitalism and economics. The shift to online has benefited many industries, online payments being the biggest one. Last year, Visa made a $5.3 billion deal to acquire Plaid, the backend interface for financial accounts. Plaid was founded in 2013 with $2.8 million. The founders were challenged when connecting the backends of consumer financial products. Soon enough, they built the API or the backend software to connect all these banking accounts. And this became one of the most successful fintech deals in 2020 and the last decade. So we saw major growth in e-commerce last year. So being acquired by Visa was a no-brainer, right? This deal happened last January, pre-COVID. First, right after COVID took place, everyone shifted online when the lockdowns began. E-commerce experienced 10 years of growth in three months. But Plaid and Visa continued to do their due diligence on the process and expected to close the deal. But in November, the Department of Justice walked in and has been really tough on big tech. They filed a lawsuit to block the acquisition, believing that Visa would have a monopoly on the payments industry. Whether this is true or not, this made a gateway for Plaid to break the deal and they terminated it this week in January, 2021. There are a few reasons why this probably works out really well for the Plaid team. First up, the e-commerce growth probably more than doubled their business, so they might be more than $10 billion now. So Visa would have gotten a steal uh, pre-COVID. And second, there's so many liquidity options available to go public now between SPACs and IPOs and direct listings. They no longer need to go through the Visa do a multi, multi-month multi process, uh, look for regulation and compliance authorities to approve them. They can go public, they can get liquidity, um, have access to more capital, and speed up the entire process by going public direct to market. So very exciting for them. Congratulations to the Plaid team. It probably costs a lot of money for Visa, and it's a tough lesson for M&A advisors, bankers, and anybody else involved in the, in the business deal itself. Intel is not inside anymore. The company powering every computer in the world has hit a rough patch. Founded 52 years ago in Silicon Valley, Intel revolutionized the semiconductor industry as we know it. Co-founder Gordon Moore came up with the Moore's Law when he predicted transistors would double every year, making technology obsolete overnight. And it seems like time has finally caught up with Intel. This month, the changing of executive guards or CEO is real at Intel. CEOs have a short yet powerful tenure. Most of them have a six-year window to make a change. Then they begin working on succession plannings, but some CEOs aren't even that lucky. Intel's current CEO, Bob Swain, will step down next month. VMware's current CEO, Pat Gelsinger, will take over Intel 
after him. The abrupt but swift change is necessary. Bob has a technical background, but couldn't maintain Intel's lead in the chip industry. Uh, Pat has an engineering background and will help the company regain its footing in research and development. Why is this important? Competitors like AMD and Apple have been building new chips, gaining market share against Intel for the last few years. As hardware transitions from laptop to mobile, chip manufacturers need to keep up with the times. NVIDIA is a good example of one tech company that has maintained leadership in a competing industry by capitalizing on artificial intelligence with their graphics cards. The CEO announcement is unrelated to Intel's financial performance. Gelsinger is making a full circle, having begun his career at Intel uh, many decades ago. But his experience has strayed away from hardware technology. VMware is a leader, a major cloud provider on cloud virtualization. So he'll bring a really fresh set of eyes to Intel as we see companies move towards a hybrid cloud strategy and get away from hardware distribution. The real underlying reason for this change was an activist hedge fund. The abrupt change in leadership comes at a really good time. Dan Loeb, the founder of Third Point, a multi-billion dollar hedge fund, wrote a friendly activist letter last month for Intel to explore new options. Dan specializes in underperforming companies that have lagged behind the public markets. Intel was on top of his list. The board needed a wake-up call, so Dan built a billion-dollar position in the company so their voice would be heard. Dan told the, the board to boost the company's position as a major provider of processor chips for PCs and data centers. He emphasized the need for America to maintain leadership in the semiconductor industry. There are five ways that he recommended Intel improve from the inside. And Intel uh, welcomed the response from all investors, including Third Point. First up, Intel should consider selling its manufacturing operations and failed acquisitions to address what Loeb considers substantial problems. Number two, Intel has underperformed due to manufacturing issues. Number three, Intel is falling behind the Taiwanese and Samsung manufacturing plants, and it has allowed fabulous semiconductors like AMD and NVIDIA to gain significant market share, so they need to compete directly with those guys. Number four, Intel's loss of manufacturing leadership has become a national security. Intel is founded uh, and built in America, so it is important that the U.S. continues to maintain our leadership in semiconductors. Otherwise, we'll be outsourcing a critical piece to uh, our technology infrastructure. And number five, Intel has a human capital management problem. And he criticized the company for losing many of its most inspiring and talented chip designers and leaders. One example is last, uh, last few months, Intel had taken an engineer from Tesla, who had recently resigned, I don't think he's moved to a new plan, but to lose such a top talented employee that can help build better products, um, you're simply just falling behind the competitors and your peers. So with that said, I love recommending Intel. It is one of the best American stories. Um, the company is very well known. If you think about it, you know, you never see an Intel chip. It's, it's inside the computer. They have a little sticker on all their computers. Uh, but you've never, no human is really touching the processor chip or playing around with semiconductors. It's a very, very integrated piece of technology.
So Andy Grove, he was the third employee and the most notable CEO of Intel from the last uh, century. His influence in the semiconductors industry had been replicated across the globe, and he's the reason why I love this business so much. In fact, Andy is considered the father of OKRs, Objective Key and Key Results. Um, this was mentioned in John Doerr's book, Measure What Matters. John is a very uh, notable venture capitalist, and the OKRs is one of the main reasons why Google was so successful in its early years because they were able to create very clear and concise ways to approach big problems. And Andy Grove really wrote down the fundamental ways to approach uh, objectives. So he wrote, Andy wrote two management books. Uh, I wrote several management books, but two I love reading and recommending. First up is High Output Management. And the second is Only the Paranoid Survive. Both businesses, both business books dive deep into his leadership principles. They can be summed up in one word, and that's managing. He focuses focuses on building uh, on the business instead of working in the business. So it's really important distinction. You'll find these books on the shelves of investors and managers in several other industries. His techniques are, are universal and still being used. In fact, Ben Horowitz the founder of Andreessen Horowitz, another reputable venture capital firm in California, wrote his two best-selling books as a continuation of Andy's management techniques. First up is The Hard Thing About Hard Things, a very highly recommended book by many startup entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, technology guys. People love this book because it talks about Ben's journey of building up a software business, having it almost fail, and then turning around to sell for $1.6 billion. And then what you do is who you are is this book about culture and what's so important about building a team, building camaraderie, building a community that's so essential for business because the number one asset in every company is, is the people. And Ben talks about these, these techniques. He wrote these books um, to honor Andy who passed away several years ago. And I really recommend these four books uh, high output management, only the paranoid survive, the hard thing about hard things, and what you do is who you are. So these are really amazing. Um, and I think Intel is off to a great start with this new CEO. There's a lot of promise for this company. It's heading in the right direction. It's very exciting to see what comes next. To start off 2021 strong, there have been four major cloud M&A deals. This is the year of cybersecurity. Email, backup, disaster recovery are critical elements when working remotely. And there, there has never been a more crucial time to upgrade your tech stack. With that said, we're already seeing record level of M&A deals in 2021, 30 and counting for the IT services industry alone. So digital transformation is accelerating. Three cloud giants have made four acquisitions in the first two weeks of 2021. Cognizant acquired Servian and Linium, Accenture acquires RealProtect, and IBM acquires Seven Summits. Cognizant has doubled down on digital intelligence uh, by buying Servian, which uh, partners with Amazon uh, Web Services, Google Cloud, Microsoft, Oracle, um, specializing in several different verticals from banking to government and retail, and has 500 employees in New Zealand and Australia, doubling the size of Cognizance, Cognizance exposure in the land down under. The second big acquisition was ServiceNow, 
the ServiceNow partner, Linio, from Nest Digital Engineering. This is a 150 employee business with the, with the ServiceNow workflow partnership. It's been a leader in the space. More than a third of its clients are from Fortune 100 companies. Um, this is the 10th digital focus acquisition for Cognizant since January 2020. Cognizant has already deployed $1.4 billion in acquisitions in these areas, and I don't think they'll slow down anytime soon. Next up is Salesforce, which has become an important strategy for IBM. IBM's cloud strategy has been mentioned previously on this podcast. So with the acquisition of seven summits, IBM acquires and onboards 122 Salesforce experts to join Big Blue. This is making uh, IBM uh, one of the top 10 Salesforce partners as they continue to invest heavily and expand by hiring and training um, and developing these Salesforce products and services. This has been a strong demand for the company as Arvind Krishna, its current CEO, looks to maximize the Red Hat Linux platform and expand on the company's hybrid cloud strategy. This is a big undertaking for the company as they spin off their uh, MSP or managed, managed service provider arm. So they continue to invest heavily in cloud. And last but not least is Accenture's need for Latin security. They acquired Realtek, RealProtect, a major cybersecurity business in Brazil, covering the entire Latin American region. So the best way to expand in new regions is to buy existing assets. RealProtect has 90 cybersecurity experts who work in healthcare, engineering, um, energy, and banking. Um, the company provides several ways to improve IT security and managed services. And this deal will cement Accenture's footing in cybersecurity. Last year, the company purchased Symantec's cybersecurity operations along with several smaller deals. The combined deals will give Accenture a strong competitive advantage to build more cybersecurity offerings in 2021, which is in high demand already. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend. We're always looking for feedback, so leave a review. You can also find me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Vajarakoli on all platforms. And as always, thank you for listening.